Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's go in-depth on all things Hawkeyes. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Happy game week, Hawkeye fans, and welcome into a week one edition of the Hawk Central Radio Show right here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register. We made it. We're here just three days away from Saturday's 11.03 a.m. kickoff against Utah State at Kinnick Stadium. And as usual, there is plenty of drama to discuss, including the status of the starting quarterback. Uh, For those uninitiated, our in-season Wednesday shows are typically a game preview episode. Uh, We will tackle the biggest overarching topics in our first segment, uh, dig into five big questions regarding the matchup in our second segment, and finish with some Big Ten talk and our score predictions for the Iowa game to wrap things up before seven o'clock so uh that's the that's the scoop tyler tashman my colleague at the register welcome in to your first game week episode uh covering the hawkeyes how you feeling man Cade watches in uh you know full throttle right now we've uh just been uh tracking his storyline i know i don't know if you're going to get to there's a a tweet just put out about him but uh nothing earth shattering but just Cade watch continues. So, yeah, we definitely obviously we'll get to the quarterback situation. For those that missed our YouTube podcast on Tuesday night on our Hawk Center YouTube page, uh, we talked almost uh, exclusively about quarterbacks for a half hour. Though we did squeeze in five or six minutes on the punters. Just FYI. So, go ahead and find that if you want some more quarterback talk. We'll get to some of it here as the show goes on. Uh, Tyler, we, we kind of thought, uh, put our heads together and thought segment one would be a perfect chance to talk about the offense, kind of where it, it started December 1st when Cade McNamara committed to Iowa. And now, uh, you know, September 1st is Friday. That's nine months later. Uh, kind of the progress that's been made and setting the stage for the season surrounding uh, the Brian Ferentz offense. So we know the the deal. Uh, Last season, the Hawkeyes averaged 18.2 points per game, 251.6 yards per game, which was the lowest in the program since uh, the 1970s. And uh, the question is, Tyler, after all this time, the eight transfers that are in here on offense, all in the two deep, uh, new quarterback, uh, you know, hopefully upgraded line from what they say. What and how much improvement can we expect? I think part of the intrigue is that in that span, that kind of Iowa has tried to revamp its offensive uh, roster. We we haven't seen a lot with our own eyes. Like we've, I, I know you were at uh, the spring game. I was not, but. Uh, then there was also Kids Day at Kinnick where we got just, you know, a little preview of things. But I think part of maybe the build up to this season is that we just we haven't seen a whole lot of them with our with our own eyes and live action. Of course, there's also been, uh, you know, the little clips on social media. But I don't think that Iowa's social media team is going to put out 
uh, clips of Cade McNamara throwing interceptions. So, um, but no, I think I feel like there's more playmakers. Uh, I, the, Iowa has more playmakers than last season, uh, and especially pass catchers because last season, just with, with the injury issues, and um, it, it felt like as much as Spencer Petras kind of took criticism and was a target for criticism, it felt like there was a lot of different issues. And one of them was the offensive line. Another of them was to help uh, Spencer Petras got around him. It feels like there might be more help around Caden McNamara this season, uh, bringing in someone like Caleb Brown from Ohio state, uh, Seth Anderson from Charleston Southern, uh, having a healthy Deontay Vines, uh, bringing back Nico Ragaini, uh, Luke Lachey, kind of filling in the the role that Sam Laporta had at tight end, but then also bringing in uh, Eric All, who uh, from from kind of what Kirk Ferentz has said, it seems like I was going to go with some uh, two tight end sets, and we saw that during Kids Day at Kinnick. So uh, it it feels like it, and now this is obviously uh, you know hinges on if these guys can stay healthy and if the offensive line can block, but. To me, it feels like Iowa just has a lot more playmakers and a lot more threats to kind of have the explosive plays that it really lacked last season. Definitely uh, seems to be an upgrade, at least over week one last year at wide receiver, where Iowa had one scholarship receiver available for the opening at South Dakota State. That was Arlen Bruce the fourth. Uh, Alec Wick, uh, walk-on from Regina, started in that game. He is now the fifth string, you know, number five receiver because Iowa has, as you mentioned, uh, the the top four uh, of Vines, Regaini, Anderson, and Brown. Those are the four on the depth chart. So yeah, those those four um, are are a significant upgrade there, and you like you feel good about the running back room. I uh, I guess where I wanted to look kind of statistically at this, how much improvement can we expect? Uh, I mean, to, I'm raising the bar pretty high here. I don't, I don't necessarily think this is going to happen, but I think the standard should be the 2020 offense. That it, it was not uh, that had good receivers too. That had Brandon Smith, Amir Smith, Marset. It had Nico Ragini and Tyrone Tracy Jr. All four of them came back from that 2019 team. Just didn't have the quarterback that they have now. They had Spencer Petras back then, but honestly, that was maybe Petras's. Um, best year statistically, and the offensive line blocked way better that season, uh, 4.62 yards per carry. So the, so where I'm going with this is the offensive line was pretty good, above average that year. The receivers are, I would say, in the ballpark of where they are now. Maybe maybe you could say it's a little bit behind that, uh, but the tight ends are better than they were in 2020. I mean, Sam Laporta was a true sophomore that year. Uh, you had Sean Beyer uh, also on that team as kind of the backup tight end, but now you got Luke Lachey and Eric All. So, yeah, I agree with you, Tyler. the The surrounding cast is definitely better around the quarterback position, and then I have you know personally like Caleb Johnson, you know, as much or more than any running back we've seen for for quite some time at Iowa. So, statistically, the numbers. Iowa averaged 368.6 yards per game during that COVID season. That's not like an earth-shattering number, 368.6. Last year was 251. I think 368, to me, that's where I'm mentally setting the bar. I think this offense should be able, with the playmakers it has, with Caden McNamara at quarterback, presumably for most of the games this year, I think 368 is a is a valid number to shoot for for this offense 
Uh, and, you know, 4.62 yards per carry. I don't know if they'll get there, but uh, I think that the bar should be set way, way higher than, than the 251 they had last year. And, and I think to add on to that, I don't think, uh, you know, one of the guys you didn't mention was Tyler Goodson um, that they had on those teams. And uh, it, it feels like the running backs, uh, I, I think the running backs and the tight ends have the potential to be two of the strongest rooms for Iowa uh, this season because of uh, how Luke Lachey, uh, who's kind of played in the shadow of Sam Laporta, you feel like he can uh, be a, be an obvious candidate for a breakout uh, player this season. And then Eric Hall, someone that has played at a high level of college football, already has that kind of established relationship with Cade McNamara, which I think is really important when you talk about trying to build chemistry with new teammates, coming to a new school, all of that. And um, in the running back room, I, I think it's deep. I think it's talented. Um, I think you have guys that can do a variety of things. I think the guy that kind of jumps out at the, on the headlines is, is Caleb Johnson and uh, the, the really good freshman year he had behind an offensive line that was struggling. If, if you can get the guys up front blocking for him, uh, you know, I think he can be a 1,000-yard-plus guy on the ground. And one thing he mentioned as well was wanting to be able to be a pass catcher as well, which – uh, I was a little bit – I thought it was interesting to hear about how much emphasis he had put on uh, pass <clears> – <throat> excuse me, pass catching. Um, but behind him, you have LaShawn Williams. And then I mean, a younger guy that I know people really like is Jazz Patterson, uh, who's kind of flashed uh, some of his potential. But with all this being said, and I think, you know, the, the important caveat to this is I don't know if any of this comes to fruition – unless the offensive line does its job. Because last season it felt right. like, right, I was trying was trying to be a power football team without the offensive line to do so. And you don't want to run into that same issue again this season. It, it feels like Iowa might uh, be a little bit more willing to air it out and take some chances. And we saw some looks at Kids Day at Kinnick where – uh, they 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 went deeper on some pass plays and looked like they were opening it up. But at the same time, you would probably expect uh, I would have basically kind of more or less be the same uh, philosophy on offense that it has been, which is to pound the ball. Uh, you know, not not take care of it, not take too many chances. And I don't know if you can be that team and win games at a high level if the offensive line isn't doing its job. It's just. Uh, there's too many things that are reliant on a good offensive line because of the style that Iowa plays. Now, if you're if you're looking at maybe a dual threat quarterback somewhere else, or uh, you know an air raid where you're getting a ball out like really quick out of the shotgun, then maybe a really good offensive line isn't as important. But because of the system that Iowa has. It's just everything really is relying on, on how that offensive line performs. You're listening to Hawk Central from the Des Moines Register and KXNO. I'm Chad Leistico talking Hawkeye football and the offense with Tyler Tashman. Uh, yeah, the offensive line, obviously good points there across the board, especially with style of play. Uh, happened to be watching, <laughs> I purposely watched the uh, 2022 Music City Bowl last night uh, before I went to bed. And... Uh, kind of was struck with a little bit of an observation that the same five guys that started that game are Iowa's first team offensive line on Saturday. So uh, it's kind of interesting uh, that, you know, you bring in Rusty Feth, you bring in Dejon Parker, uh, Bo Stevens, who started a bunch of games last year for the Hawkeyes, all of them on the second team. 
And uh, you still have uh, Mason Richmond at left tackle. You still have Logan Jones at center from from that Music City offensive line. But the other three guys uh, are all in new spots. Uh, Connor Colby has moved from left guard to right guard. Nick DeYoung has moved from right tackle to left guard. And then Jennings Dunker, uh, the most curious man of the offensive line, uh, most intriguing man, maybe I should say, moves to right tackle. Uh, Kirk Ferentz was asked a lot about the offensive line on Tuesday. Uh, Dunker definitely is the most interesting guy to me, uh, and I'm going to outline this in my game preview on Saturday, but just because here's a guy that they are rolling the dice with at right tackle. That is where he's going to stay. He played guard last year. He is now a tackle, not moving back inside. That tells me that the coaches really like him. Uh, he's going to have some mistakes. He had mistakes on Kids Day. He got burned by Max Llewellyn. He got burned by a couple others. But he's physically gifted, and I think usually uh, those guys you know, that may struggle a little bit with pass pro a lot of times uh, can mow guys down in the run game uh, a lot more. So I think that uh, it's going to be real interesting. They're definitely banking on the development piece of the puzzle with this offensive line. They tried the transfers, but those are the second teamers. Maybe those transfers push these first teamers. We'll see. And we'll see if it is the five, but it's just interesting that you get the same exact five that blocked for you know seven offensive points and 0 for 11 on third downs in the Music City Bowl. So uh, that line that you brought up is going to be a question. Um, I think the, the opportunity, though, uh, this week, Tyler, is there because last week, or last year, I'm sorry, in week one, we we talked about the surrounding cast just wasn't healthy in week one, and the line was much younger. And you're facing a South Dakota State team that you know basically, you know, probably could have crushed Utah. This Utah State team went on to win the FCS national title and and was a great offense. And you know Iowa couldn't do much. So it feels like Tyler that this at least marks an opportunity for this Hawkeye offense. The chance is there for it to get off to a fast start, no matter who starts at quarterback. Yeah, I would say, and in, in under normal circumstances, I guess that this would be a really good opportunity for Iowa to kind of flex this offense and maybe give a glimpse at a more dynamic sort of, uh, you know, playmaking. Uh, newcomers and, and and just kind of the revamped retooled offensive roster uh because utah state's defense and and i'm, I'm guessing we're going to go into them a little bit more later but they lose five of its top six leading tacklers from last season they lose the defensive coordinator and the the defensive system is is different uh to a certain extent than it was last season so I would say this is a this is a really it would be a really good opportunity for Iowa to kind of show what they've been talking about for the last handful of months, but at the same time, just with the Cade McNamara situation, I you know, and it's not the end of the world, but it feels like if he plays and he's not a hundred percent, you might have to be a little bit more conservative. It feels like if you run Deacon Hill out there, who I, I've said this multiple times, who hasn't even attempted a pass at the college level, uh, transfer from Wisconsin, it feels like you maybe are not as willing to take those chances. Now, if the game opens up and Iowa gets up by uh, three and more touchdowns, then I think you can uh, 
experiment and, and play around with some different things. But it feels like just because of kind of the uncertainty on Iowa side of things that you might want to play a little bit more conservatively. If, if Deacon Hill is starting, I, you know, I think that you really want to rely on Caleb Johnson and LaShawn Williams um, a lot. You probably want to rely on quick passes to Eric Hall and Luke Lachey. You hope that that offensive line can kind of impose itself. And, and maybe that's the most positive thing that comes out of the game is letting the offensive line uh, impose itself and kind of gain some confidence and see what they can do against Utah State. But, um, no, I, I do agree that if if Cade McNamara was healthy, I would, I'd love to see Iowa air things out and, and let it fly. But it feels like just because of the kind of uncertainty around his status, maybe Deacon Hill playing, maybe Joe Labus playing, that – uh, at least at first until you can prove you got control of the game, you might want to play a little bit safer. So we'll see who starts a quarterback on Saturday. Uh, certainly Tuesday's press conference uh, cast a, a large cloud over that topic. Uh, just a, f- a little while ago, ESPN uh, college reporter Pete Thamel went on the air and said that the expectation is that he will probably try to go type of thing. Uh, but it could be on a limited basis. Obviously, you know, Cade has practiced this week. He is medically cleared. It's really going to come down to uh, a coach's decision, uh, essentially. I mean, because medically he is cleared. And, uh, you know, Kirk Ferentz uh, you know, agreed that he was questionable for the game. Um, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, he you know, it's probably just a slight lean maybe towards one way or the other on our podcast yesterday. I mean, this that development makes me think that uh, a better chance maybe than 50% that, that Cade does play. But, I, you know, I still think there's a lot of validity to, to letting him sit and uh, letting Deacon Hill go with this. Uh, here was the uh, comment from Kirk Ferentz on Tuesday. He said, we're going to make sure he can play effectively and make sure he can play in a way that's representative of the type of player he is. So I guess, uh, you know, we'll find out on Friday. They'll test it out, see how he is doing. And then, uh, Tyler, we will find out, I guess, uh, supposedly, (laughs) at 9 a.m. on Saturday when they come out with the inactives and actives list, uh, if they indeed deem that Cade McNamara is ready to play, right? Yeah, I mean, hopefully we'll figure out by then, I guess. Uh, um, But, yeah, no, I think, I mean, it's a real dilemma uh, in – and I think it could be a lot worse if if this was expected to be a long-term thing or if uh, Iowa was playing Penn State the first game of the season. So I don't think this is the worst possible situation, but it does kind of just bring up uh, a, a difficult decision game one. I, I think for me the biggest thing is, is there a major risk of him getting hurt more? If there is, I, I don't think you play him because it's not worth risking – the long-term, uh, long-term potential effects in the season for him to to run out there against Utah State. But I think if it's just a matter of him playing through some discomfort, uh, then I, you know, I think, and there's not a major, uh, you know, potential injury risk in, in getting it getting injured more than uh, he's played under, you know, pain before. He's a competitor. You know, it feels like if that's if that's all it is, then I think you let him play. Yeah, but I would say best case scenario, and you know, assuming what you said is true, that if he can play and and wouldn't re-injure himself, wouldn't be a greater risk to re-injure himself to you. You get him, I don't know, thirty, thirty-five snaps in the first half. 
ideally build like a twenty-one nothing lead and then just say, hey, we're gonna we're gonna pack it up, uh, turn this game over to Deacon Hill and our defense, and and uh, just ride it out. Uh, <laughs> a classic milker, as our, our my colleague uh, Mark Morehouse used to to say about Kirk Ferentz. All right, coming up next, five big questions to preview Iowa versus Utah State. Tyler Tashman and I will dig in to the matchup and get you set for Iowa versus Utah State. You're listening to Hawk Central 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register, and happy to be rejoined again by Tyler Tashman, also of the Des Moines Register. We cover the Iowa Hawkeyes, uh, and we'll do so all season long for you guys. Uh, Iowa versus Utah State, 11.03 a.m. Saturday, sold out Kinnick Stadium. Temps expected to be in the low 90s, so hydrate, hydrate, hydrate. Uh, Fox Sports 1, Jeff Levering and Mark Helfrich on the call. Helfrich was on the call for South Dakota State last year, too. So uh, brace yourself for a couple safeties and uh, not much scoring. Uh, the, the line is Iowa minus 24. Over-under is 44.5. Let's dig into five big questions, Tyler. And I'm going to tee it up for you because you've been writing about uh, Utah State. I think it's going to post uh, pretty soon. Uh, here's my first question. What on earth should we expect from Utah State? Yeah, that's a great question because Utah State brought in nearly 60 newcomers to the program, which even in the transfer portal era is just like a startling number. Um, So I think that, honestly, that question, I'm not sure Blake Anderson, Utah State's head coach, could answer because he kind of just, you know, I I went back and listened to his press conference uh, previewing this matchup, and and he kind of said, like, we're still figuring out who we are, um, a lot of unknowns. Uh, so I think as much as we try to preview this, I don't think he really exactly knows someone who's been working with the team. I, I think he kind of is waiting to uh, figure out the answer to that question as well. But some of the key guys uh, among 13 starters that Utah State lost um, was Calvin Tyler Jr., who ran for more than 1,000 yards. He was their leading rusher. Uh, their leading receiver uh, from last season, Brian Cobbs, is gone as well. Uh, they they are returning their their starting quarterback, Cooper Legas, who, who started eight games last year, uh, threw for almost 1,500 yards. Uh, his, his touchdown to interception ratio was 11 touchdowns uh, to 10 interceptions. He also rushed for 303 yards, so a little bit of a threat with his legs. But to me, and, and and I think there's there's a certain amount of variables that are already in the first game of the season, but just with all the all the roster turnover for Utah State, this feels like an offense that Iowa should be able to to pick apart. If they are the same, if they are playing like the same defense that they did last season, I think they're expected to be near that kind of same elite level, even though they're they're losing some key pieces, um, you know, like Jack Campbell, Seth Benson, but. I think there's the expectation that that some of the new guys are going to come in, and, and it feels like this is kind of an offense that Iowa should just be able to tee off of. Yeah, we will definitely see. I mean, Utah State uh, has been a good program. I mean, they won 11 games a couple of years ago, uh, went to a bowl game last year after a slow start. So Blake Anderson knows what he is doing. Uh, Utah State did win. 
uh, a road game against uh, Power Five Washington State to open the 2021 season. So, and I've seen quotes saying they they want to shock the world. So, uh, certainly, you know, especially if the quarterback situation for Iowa is, is you know, slightly dicey. Uh, Got to be on upset alert a little bit here. Uh, nothing is a sure thing, but uh, definitely excited to you know. I just think it's a good thing that you don't have a you know a physically daunting opponent necessarily in the opener just because of you're trying to get this offense untracked <laughs> and and you, you go from the South Dakota State game last year to Iowa State in week two which ended up having the fourth best defense in the country and then you had the six-hour game against Nevada where you could never get any rhythm going and all of a sudden you're you're into conference play and you've really established nothing offensively so again I kind of think like you said I think Trying to develop something here, develop some momentum going into week two is really important. And Utah State, I think, offers that opportunity, but it will be a little bit of a mystery. All right, number two, Tyler, uh, what is the most dangerous thing about Utah State? It's offense, it's defense, or it's punter? I'm guessing you're going to say punter because your your punter tweet went uh, viral yesterday (laughs) for Kirk Ferentz saying their punter is a good punter. Um, And he he is actually, to be fair, Kirk Ferentz is right. It's it's, and, I, and I'm hoping I'm pronouncing this right. Stephen Cotsanley. Cot, it's Cotsanley, yeah, Cotsanley, yep, yep. Constantly. Almost like constantly, like he constantly punts. Okay. A great job, uh, he, I guess fifty yarders. Yeah, you're the you're the punting expert, yeah. I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, he he averaged forty three point four yards per attempt last season, which is the sixth best single season average in school history so he is good to be fair but I think what could possess the biggest threat for Iowa is Utah State's defense and they are like I said losing five of their top six leading tacklers from last season so there is a lot of turnover on that side of the ball but they have changed their system and and I'll read what uh, Michael Ayanwu who is a Utah State defensive back uh, said this is what he said about because uh, they have a new defensive coordinator. He said it's a different system. It's more of a complex system. Uh, we try to be multiple, as Coach C says. We're multiple on defense. We give offenses a lot of different looks, a lot of different coverages, a lot of different disguises. So it's different from last year. We were in press man most of the time last year, and this year will be a lot of the same. But we'll have a lot of changeups for offenses, and they won't expect it. So. I think that coupled with kind of the uncertainty of Iowa's offense and, and who's going to be uh, taking snaps and, and just the general, I, I would I would just say mystery kind of about what Iowa's offense is going to look like with all these new pieces. Those two elements combined, you know, make me feel like this could be, if there is a challenging side of the ball, it's going to be Iowa's offense versus Utah State's defense because if they're going to throw some different coverages, some disguises, mm-hmm. stuff like that, I think Cade McNamara is without a question more equipped to deal with that. And if he's not available, if he is not a hundred percent, you know, Deacon Hill, it, it, I don't think he's probably as ready for some kind of intricate uh, schemes. And, and Joe Labe is probably a little bit more than Deacon Hill, but still probably not close to the level that Cade McNamara would be at. So. Uh, I think that that's why you would really hope that you can rely on the running game and Caleb Johnson and the offensive line, uh, you know, if Cade McNamara is out, if all else goes wrong, because 
it feels like based on what uh, what was said in that quote, like uh, that Utah State could kind of throw some change-ups and curveballs and sliders. Yeah, good good job using baseball analogy, and uh, Kirk Ferentz would love that. Uh, yeah, he, it's already rubbing off on me. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely. I would say the middle of you know, Kirk Ferentz mentioned this on Tuesday, but the middle of Utah State's defense is probably at strength. Um, I've been working on these pronunciations, so I'm going to give it a shot here. Uh, there are two defensive tackles, uh, Poka C. Vakauta, and then uh, Hale Motu Puaka. Puaka. There you go. Are uh, the defensive tackles? I, yeah, it doesn't roll off the tongue yet. If I was the Utah State announcer, it would be fine. But uh, that was my one shot, and I, I kind of botched it. But anyway, the middle linebacker is uh, MJ Tafisi Jr. So uh, those are their three top players to watch. Uh, kind of the middle of the defense. So. You know, you have to have good interior blocking against those uh, D tackles. So Logan Jones will be put to the test. Connor Colby to the test. Uh, Nick DeYoung potentially to the test. And I would expect Rusty Feth and Bo Stevens to probably rotate in there. Uh, no real update on Dejon Parker, uh, but I would. Uh, it didn't sound like he would probably be in the mix, uh, at least not in the original rotation. So I would expect Iowa to rotate seven guys, um, you know, maybe four guards and leave the tackles and centers alone, but uh, yeah, trying to feast in the middle of the defense might be a problem. So maybe if it is Cade for a little while, maybe we see some you know swing passes outside uh, to the wide receivers and try to get them into space uh, to try to you know work the edges and, and get Caleb Johnson outside as well. So uh, number three on our big questions, five big questions: Where does Iowa have the largest edge? I will start on this one. Obviously, you know we you would have to say almost any game it's going to be defense for Iowa. Uh, and and I'll kind of point to an article I wrote uh, yesterday regarding Phil Parker and his defenses allowing an average of six point six points per game in its in their last five uh, week one home home openers at Kinnick, and that includes uh, holding Josh Allen led Wyoming to three points. It includes holding South Dakota State to three points last year. It inc- it includes holding your Indiana Hoosiers, Tyler, uh, to. Uh, uh, Michael Penix Jr. and the Hoosiers to two meager field goals back in the 2021 opener. Uh, this defense is just kind of typically ready to play, so I expect uh, I expect the defensive line to kind of have its way with the Aggies. Uh, that is the strength of Iowa's defense. That is where uh, Iowa could really wreck this game. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how Utah State's offensive line holds up against the strength of Iowa's team, honestly, the defensive line. I think, you know, to add to that, I could probably say any other part of the defense, you know, whether that be the, the linebackers or secondary. But, um, you know, I, I think I'll just say uh, I was running backs. I, I think they're they're deep, they're talented. And, and in a game like this where there's just kind of some unknown with the offense added to what has already been kind of, uh, you know, a, a addition of various pieces and, uh, newcomers and returners that you know this this feels like a game that Iowa can just run it down Utah State's throat that you can maybe have even uh, you know multiple guys with 80 plus 100 plus yards and, uh, and and that would be reliant too on what the offensive line can do but uh, I, I think that you know Caleb Johnson's physicality and he has also tried to add some elusiveness some explosion and I think that I would not be surprised if we see that kind of come out uh, this season. Uh, but I think LaShawn Williams uh, as well. And, 
and then maybe you could have Jazz Patterson get some run as well. So I think uh, I think the the hope is that Iowa's run game can can really impose itself. I guess uh, you know this kind of, question number four big, on our five big questions kind of dovetails on that. So uh, it would be uh, what it would be, what would be the game plan for Brian Ferentz on Saturday, regardless of who is in there at quarterback. And I think uh, I think we've touched on a lot of that already. But I think where I'm coming from is do you play it super safe or do you try to take some shots, try to air it out? Uh, I will point out that uh, Deacon Hill, if he does play, maybe if it's, even if it's in the second half, is one of his strengths is the deep ball. He's got a big arm. So, you know, do they let him kind of air it out? I would not be surprised whatsoever if Iowa tries to utilize – what it finally has at receiver and potential deep threats and Seth Anderson, Caleb Brown, uh, and you know, Deontay Vines for that matter. So um, I'm going to say, I think there's going to be a little bit of each. I think a lot of, of playing it close to the vest and then taking some shots. I think there, I don't think it's going to be totally play it safe regardless of who quarterback is on Saturday. How about, what do you think? Yeah, I totally agree. And to my point of saying, I think I was should, play it safer and, and, you know, maybe run the ball more, more short passes. I think that's, you do that until you, you get a big enough lead. And then I think you can start opening it up. I think, uh, you know, it, you might want to play it a little bit more conservative uh, until you feel like you kind of really have control of the game, which with Iowa's defense might only be a, a 14 point lead. But I think if you're able to gain some separation, then I think, you can have some fun and, you know, try to throw balls downfield regardless of if it's Deacon Hill or Joe Labus or Cade McNamara. So, um, no, I would be, I think fans would be happy to see that uh, of things getting opened up. Um, you know, I wouldn't necessarily do it to start the game depending on who's out there, but I, I think that if, if things go as expected and, and Iowa is able to kind of really feel like they're in control then, you know, I, I think you can air it out and, and, you know, have some fun with it. Be interesting to see. It's all going to be uh, some fun-filled drama. All right, number five, Tyler. We could spend a little time on this one probably, but uh, who, I would say what or who are people talking about around 2.30 p.m. Saturday afternoon? I'll play I'll play two of the tight ends. I'll, I'll say Luke Lachey and Eric All because I think, both of them have the potential to have really good seasons, but it, it feels like because of kind of the circumstances around this game and uh, the uncertainty of, you know, who's going to play quarterback that those two might have really good opportunities, uh, you know, to kind of the, to slip through the cracks, find routes, uh, you know, maybe, maybe shorter stuff that they can turn into longer stuff with their legs, um, especially in the red zone. You know, I, I think that, those two guys could be, you know, really good targets, not only against Utah State, but for the rest of the season of uh, you have to worry about two guys, uh, not just one, you know, in the red zone. And I think that and I don't this might be kind of overlooked with with all the new guys coming in, but it feels like that having two tight ends and having all the good wide receivers that that might open things up for Caleb Brown on the outside because you have to worry about. Uh, Eric All and Luke Lachey, and, and then on the flip side of that, if, if you have Deontay Vines or Caleb Brown or Seth Anderson getting loose on the outside, and a, a safety has to come over there, that might open some stuff on the inside for for Luke Lachey, like on a seam route or 
um, Eric all on something. So it feels like those kind of playmakers uh, can sort of really benefit off of each other if they're able to play at a high level. Um, and I think just because of the way that this game is shaping up, that those those two guys, those two tight ends, um, you know, could have big games. I like it. Uh, you know, I could see if Cade does play, I could see him, uh, you know, hooking up with Eric Hall for a touchdown, which would be kind of like a uh, you know, one of those highlights you'd see on, on networks like, oh, the, you know, the Michigan transfers uh, connect, you know, together, you know, the transfers, you know, go to Iowa and here they go. They're, you know, off and running. Uh, I like what you said there about that. Uh, I'm going to flip it on the defensive side of the ball. I think Deshaun Lee could be uh, an intriguing guy to watch on Saturday. Uh, I was talking to Cooper DeGene and Xavier Wampa yesterday and uh, both uh, uh, confirmed that Deshaun won the Ball Hawks competition in fall camp, which means he made the most plays on defense. Now he was being tested more uh, because he was in there, you know, Cooper was out a little bit and, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to see what he can do, but uh, we continue to be impressed by what we're hearing about Deshaun Lee, a redshirt uh, freshman. And I think there's a really good chance that he, he will be out there at times uh, on Saturday in, in crucial moments. So, uh, Deshaun Lee could be an interesting one. Obviously, keep an eye on TJ Hall as well as Iowa tries to, uh, you know, navigate potentially with some some backup cornerbacks the uh, first couple weeks. Uh, Cooper Gene did tell me he is, uh, you know, he's good to go, so that's good. I assume he's going to be returning punts. Uh, but the main thing I think we're going to be talking around about around two thirty p.m. on Saturday is how ready is Iowa for the Cyhawk game next week, Tyler? That that is uh, that is where you want to be. You want to get through this game, get Cade, get through it with Cade McNamara healthy, uh, and then start focusing your attention on the in-state rivalry. Never going to be easy over in Ames, no matter how good Iowa State is. And uh, we'll keep an eye on, on that Cyclone score against you and I. They always seem to have trouble with you and I early in the season. But you know what kind of team? Uh, does Iowa State have uh, what kind of team you know what do they do at quarterback without Hunter Deckers uh, out with the gambling suspension so uh, really uh, kind of some intriguing storylines will be uh, immediately <laughs> discussed once this game is over assuming it goes Iowa's way now that now we're we're assuming that and if it doesn't go Iowa's way Tyler we're going to have a lot different conversation <laughs> on Saturday afternoon but uh, you know so just get ready for that mentally just in case All right, coming up next on Hawk Central, it is week one, and we will take a look uh, at the Big Ten slate ahead, and we will make our score predictions in great detail for Iowa versus Utah State. We'll do that next here on 106.3 KXNO. This is Hawk Central on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to Hawk Central Radio here on 106.3 KXNO. I'm your host, Chad Leistico of the Des Moines Register. Myself and Tyler Tashman taking you up to 7 o'clock when KXNO's Fantasy Camp uh, show debuts uh, right at the top of the hour. All right, Tyler, uh, 11 Big Ten games this weekend, starting with Thursday's uh, matchup of Nebraska at Minnesota. That's 7 o'clock on Fox. And then uh, another couple conference matchups. Uh, Ohio State, Indiana on Saturday. That'll be uh, the return of CBS uh, to the Big Big Ten's uh, TV lineup. That's at 2.30 Central. And then Northwestern versus Rutgers, the game you've all been waiting for, uh, on Sunday at 11 a.m., also on CBS. So 
Uh, Tyler, of all the games this weekend outside of Iowa, of course, what uh, what intrigues you the most? I really, my heart wants to say Indiana, Ohio State. It really does, but my my brain tells me that that game's not going to be close. So um, I would say, you know, I think the Nebraska Minnesota game is intriguing because uh, you know two teams in, in the Big Ten West that um, Iowa is going to see later on yeah. interested also. Just to see kind of how the Matt Rule era gets off, um, you know, to a start at Nebraska. Uh, I don't think those two two teams are necessarily expected to compete with kind of the Iowa and Wisconsin. You know, it seems like those two are kind of on a you know the upper tier of, of who's expected to you know be a neck and neck race in the Big Ten West. But uh, I'm I'm kind of intrigued just to see, especially because that game's on Thursday. Um, you know, we don't we don't necessarily get to watch as many games on Saturday because of um, you know just the stuff we're doing for the game. So I think that you know the Nebraska Minnesota game, I'm kind of interested to see how it how it plays out. Will the Hoosiers keep it within? I think the spread is thirty or thirty and a half. What, what do you think? Oof. Let's get your insight here. Oof. I mean, uh, I'll say they will. It's um, at Indiana. Sure. Tough place to just, play. Uh, no, yeah, I mean for Ohio State, they'll be decent amount of people there but I'll, because i graduated from there i'll give them the benefit of the doubt okay and say, that, say that they'll cover tyler's lock of the week indiana plus 30 and a half um, no i know it's no lock it's no lock <laughs> i'm just kidding yeah i'm definitely interested in watching uh nebraska minnesota more than any of these by far just because that is uh, you know you know the two Big Ten uh, trophy rivals uh, of Iowa's three, and we'll see how good they are. I mean, Minnesota kind of viewed as a little bit of a dark horse in the West, potentially. I mean, they've taken Iowa to the wire so many times and haven't got over the hump. So, uh, you know, week one of Matt Rule, as you said, where will they be then versus week 12 against Iowa? Uh, fun to watch. Maya, I'm really interested, and I think we'll be done with work by then, or close to it anyway is Toledo at Illinois. That's on Saturday night. Now, Toledo is one of the top teams in the group of five. Uh, maybe the MAC favorite, probably the MAC favorite this year. So let's see how Brett Bielema's team looks on Saturday night. That's a 6.30 game on Big Ten Network. Uh, also simultaneously, by the way, West Virginia at Penn State. That'll be the NBC Saturday night uh, debut for the Big Ten package. So... Some good games later after you get home uh, from from watching the Hawkeyes at, at Kinnick on on Saturday, uh, which should be hot once again, uh, very hot. Uh, any loose ends uh, regarding our Hawkeye conversation? I'm, I mean, I feel like we didn't you know do the punter enough justice, but uh, again, you'll have to catch our our Hawk Central YouTube podcast uh, to check that out. Um, yeah, I can't really think of anything else, Tyler. Can you on the on the from from the press conference uh, interviews on Tuesday? Anything else that stood out to you that maybe we haven't gotten to yet this week? No, I mean I'm just. Are are you going to interview the the Utah State punter? It feels like you're pretty far invested at this point. That you know, I'm, I'm expecting a feature or something out of it. <laughs> well, I'm not going to before the game, but I'm assuming he's going to have a, a starring role in the game. He's at least going to have. He's going to be on the field a lot, I would think. Uh, with Iowa's yeah. defense, so we're going to get a lot of opportunities to see uh, that. And hey, let's give let's give a shout to Iowa special teams. And actually, this this does bring up a topic, Tyler, that I'm really interested in on Saturday. Uh, who's going to return kicks for Iowa? The kickoffs. I mean, that's going to be we haven't really written about it much. Lavar Woods gave me like eight names 
of who could return kicks for the Hawkeyes. And then the other fun thing to watch in these openers is, uh, you know, who, which true freshmen might be playing on special teams or, you know, what guys have maybe elevated to get into that mix on special teams. Uh, it's always kind of interesting to see who plays as freshmen in that first game. Uh, and one name they have mentioned in the kick return game, or actually two names, are Seth Anderson and Caleb Brown. And I think Caleb was pictured uh, in one of those, uh, you know, Hawkeye sports posts or whatever, uh, returning kicks. Maybe it was the Big Ten Network thing. Can't remember exactly. But, you know, special teams uh, always deserves our attention. And, uh, you know, we'll see We'll see if uh, LeVar Woods and company can get off to a fast start on Saturday at Kinnick Stadium. All right, speaking of the game itself, Tyler, um, this is your first chance. Now you can, you know, we've got a few minutes here and uh, you know, we need to have a score prediction from you and it can ha- it, it needs to have some detail. You have to have, you know, a couple highlights from the game or what, how you think it's going to unfold. So go ahead, take it from here. As we mentioned, Hawks are about a 24-point favorite. Uh, do the Hawks cover? And what is the final score? Well, I was just going to say 27 to 3, but I guess I would put it right at 24. So <laughs> I'll say I'll say If that's your uh, prediction, that's your prediction. And, and, and Okay, well, I'll it, uh, my first You're going under 20, then. You're going under. Okay, yeah, sure. I'll, yeah, so <laughs> 20 27 to 3. Um I think that, you know, it, it might be depending on who's playing quarterback uh, a little closer than people would hope in the, in the first and second quarters. I think that uh, Iowa will pull away um, in the second half. I, I think Caleb Johnson will have a good day. I think, like I was saying, I think the tight ends will have a good day. Let's let's throw in a Cooper DeGene pick just for fun, um, getting off getting off the, uh, the start of the season on a good foot and, and continuing what he did last season. I think lots of sacks. I, I think Aaron Gray's will kind of start off with what might very well be a monster season. Uh, I think Joe Evans, Logan Lee, I think I think the defensive line is just going to eat Utah State alive. Um, I think Nick, those two guys that, you know, Nick uh, Nick Jackson from Virginia, Jay Higgins, someone who's stayed, you know been in the Iowa program a while, uh, I think both of those guys taking on kind of new roles at, at Iowa, bigger roles. Uh, I think they'll have good days. Um, so yeah, no, I think uh, I think overall, it, you know, it should be a, a thorough, per, you know, kind of dominant performance, uh, regardless of who's out there on quarterback. It might take a little bit longer if Cade's not out there, but um, just because of you know all the unknowns with Utah State, it feels like this is a, a good way just to kind of build confidence going into the rivalry game in week two. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, if you're monitoring, if you're somebody monitoring, you know, the Brian Ferentz 25 points per game watch, this is a good game to start padding the stats. That's, you know, and that's, uh, that's what's interesting. If Cade McNamara doesn't play, it could knock down that point total just a little bit. Uh, here's kind of how I see this playing out, Tyler. I think it's going to be week one is never smooth. It's never it never is. Uh, I remember you know Nate Stanley's first game, and that was against uh, Wyoming, actually against Josh Allen. Uh, they won the game, but Nate had some turnovers. And uh, I think as much as I was going to want to protect the ball, you know, we saw Cade throw two picks in on the kids' day scrimmage, and Deacon Hill throw three. So um, you know this team. Uh, still has, I think there could be some turnovers is what I'm saying by Iowa. There could be, 
you know, put their defense in some tough spots. So I don't think it's going to be quite as dominant as maybe um, the spread would indicate. But nonetheless, I feel like Iowa's going to be able to show some things on offense. I think it's going to want to show some things on offense, want to show progress. And I've got the Hawkeyes putting up 31 points, Tyler, uh, in this game. But I have them also giving up 10. I think there could be a deep shot in there. I think there could be, uh, like I said, a short field in there. And so I'm going to give Utah State 10 points in this game, which would be a lot considering Phil Parker's track record in the opener. But I got the Hawks winning 31 to 10, and then we will be talking about the 1-0 Hawkeyes against the 1-0 Cyclones next week in Jack Trice Stadium, which may have an air-conditioned press box. That is like the, the best news I've heard all week. Oh yeah, wow. That sounds, yeah, that sounds nice. Given it's supposed to, I think, be well, at least on. I think game day is supposed to be for the first game. It's supposed to be pretty warm. But, Ninety-three, yeah, mm, yeah. But I, I actually that reminds me of one thing: is that if, if there is maybe one, gotta aspect, be quick. Yep. Okay. One one aspect that Utah State could really affect. Uh, Iowa's defense is, is that they're up-tempo in a spread team, so that's just one other variable. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out. All right, thank you, Tyler. Thank you to our listeners. Make sure to catch our post-game podcast Saturday night on our YouTube Hawk Central page, and you can find that link uh, by following our social media feeds on Saturday night. Uh, but don't touch those dials, because coming up next, we've got the very first episode of KXNO's Fantasy Camp. Nathan Fisher and Tyler Allen are out at game day at Merle Hay Mall. They've got you covered next. Thank you for tuning in to Hawk Central. Talk to you next Wednesday night here on 106.3 KXNO. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.